was dark in Benson, a kind of dark that was unfamiliar to me. During chapel, all the lights went out. I was sitting there, listening to the reactions of everyone else. There was a short bit of silence, and then they turned the lights on. But I could still sense something was off. I'm Amir Graf. I like photography, rom-coms, and a vacation by the ocean. Hi, I'm Cade Montgomery. I like the outdoors, football, and putting ranch on my steak. And I'm Mason Holland, and I like trying new foods, being with friends and families, and I really, really like stepbrothers. Welcome to the Modern Story Podcast, episode number four. Today we're telling stories about how one moment can really change everything. My experience with the blackout was a little different from yours, Amira. I was actually at the basketball game when it all went down, mm. which was super exciting. <laughs> People started cheering, one group started singing, and someone even started playing music over a megaphone. What was like a super high-stress game before it changed into like a carefree experience for a lot of people. And I think this was a freeing experience from the stress of their day as well. Mm -hmm. People seemed more cheerful after, and I think it reflected on the players as the game seemed more loose and fun. Um, Tying this in the podcast theme, I think that the moment that changed everything here definitely changed a lot for a lot of people. So my story is a little different. I'm going to be talking about when the lights turned back on for like maybe 30 seconds. (laughs) When I tell you every single person just booed when they came back on. That's hilarious. (laughs) And then 30 seconds later, they went off and it was literally like we just won state. (laughs) Everybody was jumping and cheering. Oh my word, that is so It was crazy. So yeah, that moment definitely changed everybody's day. Mm -hmm. So that is the same. Now let's get started with Cade and his story called Defining Moment. The buzzing vibration of my phone from an eager caller wakes me from my much-needed sleep. I reluctantly turn over the device and see a missed FaceTime call from Coach Richards, the Bethel University football recruiting coach. My groggy morning state immediately turns into extreme panic as I come to a grave realization. It's August 1st, the final day for commitment in college sports. What is a day of excitement for most people is a day of uneasiness for me. You see, I had one problem. I still had no idea where I was going and what I wanted to do with my life. So in a haste, I jump out of bed, I toss on the, clothes, the closest pair of clothes I can find and grab a hat to hide my bed hair. Bzz, bzz, my phone rings impatiently on the side of my bed. I stare at it hesitantly, knowing the implication this phone call holds. This call will be the deciding factor of, my, of the next chapter in my life will look like. I just need more time, I tell myself in a haze of anxiety. However, there is none. I need the answer now. I procrastinated the biggest decision of my life, and now I'm staring at my phone knowing that I need to give an answer before the deadline closes in. I let it go to voicemail in a last-ditch effort to buy more time. I try to think. What will I say? What will I decide? I look over at the crumpled pros and cons list sitting on my desk. My brain is overwhelmed with the factors that are growing into this decision. I know what other people want from me, but it is what I want for myself. I ponder, is Bethel even right for me? Am I good enough to play college football? A flood of worry begins to consume my thoughts. Bzz, bzz, my phone rings for a third time, snapping me out of my state of uncertainty. I take a deep breath. I try to clear my uneasy thoughts and press accept. Hey, Cade, do you have a decision for me, Coach Richards prompts? Uh, uh, yeah, I can barely choke out. Well, what is it, he asks enthusiastically. I look around my room, bombarded by emotion, searching for an answer frantically. Suddenly, I find one. My eyes scan over a welcoming handwritten letters from Bethel coaches pinned to my wall. 
to my high school football jersey hanging by my door and to the framed picture of me and my best friends beaming after we go to state. Instantly, I'm a kid again, reminded of the reasons I fell in love with the game in the first place. What was once worry about the situation turns to peace. What was once self-doubt in my mind is transformed into confidence. And all the anxiety I previously felt crumbles into excitement. <clears throat> I clear my throat, and with a smile on my face, I take a leap of faith, um, not, or knowing that, not knowing that this hasty decision would be the best decision of my life. Okay, that was really powerful. I really like that. Thank you. So I was curious, what were the other schools you were looking at? Um, for football, it was mostly just other MIAC schools, a couple NAIAs, but I was also not completely decided on football yet. Yeah. I was looking at the U for just med school. I was looking at the military. My mind was just racing. I had so many opportunities, and I just did not know what wow. to decide. Yeah, that's tricky. <laughs> mm -hmm. I loved that you talking. You were talking about going back and thinking about like that childhood, like being a child and having that joy with a sport. My question for you is, uh, do you have any like second thoughts after you committed Bethel and such a rush? Like, did you have anything that was like, oh, I shouldn't have done this or any regrets after committing? Um, it was mostly just excitement after I committed and I was just yeah. like mad at myself. Like, why did I not do this sooner? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. seriously, I missed out on so many opportunities, but it was fine. I, I got there eventually, so yeah. That's good. That's yes. really good. Here's Macy and her story called Who Am I? As I sat down on the cold blue hospital bed, my body tingled. Besides the leg I no longer felt was mine. My hair was messy in a bun, looking exactly how I feel. My legs limp, tears pouring out even before the doctor sat down on his maroon roller chair right next to me. His face pale, no smile attended underneath his Monopoly man mustache. He sat cracking his thumbs. I'm guessing that's his nervous tick. My mother's biting her nails. Her nervous tick. Eyes beginning to gloss. Mason, I am sorry to inform you that the feeling in your leg will not come back. My mom says, ever? I sat there silent, head down, no more tears, only anger shown by the red face and sweat glistening skin. Looking at me like a lost puppy dog, the doctor explains, the nerves in her legs were pinched, and if we try to start firing them, she will never live a day without pain. I immediately ask about walking. As I raised my head to look at the door, staring right back at me, doctor staring right back at me, he gave me the first smile that was just not out of sympathy. Yes, yes you will, but your life as an athlete is no longer an option. As I'm sitting there nervously braiding my hair, which happens to be my nervous tick, so I do not have to process what is being said. My mother's touch on my arm brings me back to reality. As we drove away in our white hatchback with the basketball-shaped bumper sticker on the right side of the car, I never looked away from the window. I never replied to my mom, no matter what she said. Do you want Starbucks? No answer. This is not the end of the world, baby. Silence. I love you and it will be okay. I promise. Still, I sit. I was not trying to make my mom feel bad, and I could tell she was breaking. She did not stop crying the entire ride home. Her hand was on my leg, trying her best to show me love and compassion without words. This was two years ago. As I sit in my single-person dorm, I stare at the screen. It's hard to even explain this story because I know the truth. 
My life now still doesn't exactly feel like mine. I still to this day believe my identity is a three-sport athlete who thrives in competitive situations. This is a story about the moment I was informed my life and Bonnie was changed forever. Wow, that's really powerful, Macy. Thanks for sharing. Of course. Yeah, that is, that's a unique story for sure. Yes. <laughs> what advice would you give other listeners that um, are struggling with identity, specifically for athletes and injuries? Um, I would have to say that your whole, you can't play sports your entire life. You're going to have to find identity outside of it. So say something like this, probably not extreme, happens to someone who is an athlete, and that's how they describe themselves, they have to think of it as more of a blessing. They have to realize that other people will have to deal with this too, just they have to deal with it later in life, which might be harder to adjust. Where now, I can really understand, like, I have new hobbies, I have new things and interest, I can focus more on my life outside of school. Yeah. So... I think you would just have to take it as a blessing instead of a curse. That is such a good word. It's very true. I guess my question would just be, do you have, do you still feel any like residual physical effects from the injury or is at this point it's just mental battle? So the, I got my, I got a shot in my spine cutting off all leg feeling and everything in my left leg. So, but my foot, it's a delayed reaction. I can't feel like, I can feel the pressure, but I can't feel touch. Like if you touch my foot, I would have zero clue what's touching my foot. Mm -hmm. And I would feel it like 30 seconds later. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, here's Amir with her story called, You Don't Know Until You Know. I have no idea what I am doing. I've lived my life with my twin sister, Asha, attached to my hip, and now I have to make a life decision without her. I sit with my aunt in her DIY finished dining room with a cup of coffee and a big piece of banana bread. We both have our computers open on the table while going through the motion of typing some and chatting some. She was helping me apply to be a resident director for next year. To be honest, I have no idea what that looks like for me. Once I had turned in my application, I waited and was unsure if I was going to get offered an interview. My palms are sweating each time I have to mention um, that I'm going for this role without Asha. I don't know if they wanted me. I didn't know where I was going to get placed or who I was going to be working with next year. Then the moment came. I had my interview. I sat there in an empty room with cozy pants on the bottom and business wear on top. I called my mom for some last-minute encouragement as I waited for my turn to be on Zoom. Amira, you have to be true to yourself and everything else will be okay, she said in her reassuring voice. I know whatever happens to me is meant to be, but I still get nervous that I have to do it all alone, I said as I wished for Asha to be in the room next to me. What if I forget all my talking points? Then I quickly ran and got my notebook that had all my thoughts for the interview. I set it up behind my computer to remember my key phrases. This was one of the positive things of having my interview be on Zoom and not in person. I took a selfie and sent it off to my mom, captioned, all dressed and ready to go with an explosion setting. The screen changed and, and then another camera view was added that showed two people. They asked me questions about my personality, my goals, strengths, and weaknesses. After that, I didn't know what to expect. I answered and was just waiting. Then the email finally came. I read it and saw my name next to two words, Nelson Hall. I didn't understand how this happened. 
Nelson wasn't in my top three choices. How did I end up here? What are you going to do? Do you want to accept the position? My mom asked me. I don't know, I said as I put my mom on speakerphone and paced around the room. Fast forward through accepting the position, going through RA training, and on the first day of Welcome Week. I have no idea what my residents will look like, what they are interested in, and how this year will go for them. The noise outside the hall is so loud with people shouting, Welcome home! You are meant to be here! Nelson Hall! Nelson Hall! People are flooding into the lobby and in and out of rooms until the end of the day. I feel this rush of energy go through my chest. Now is a moment in time I will never forget. It's official. I'm an RA for 20 freshman girls. It's kind of like parenting in a way. I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I'm going to take it one day at a time. Mayor, I have to ask you the question everybody is probably wondering. Yes or no, would you recommend being an RA? Yeah, I would say if you have a gut feeling, something inside of you saying, this is what I'd want to do, like in my future at Bethel, just go for it. See what happens. Um, it's so unexpected, and every year is different. So, right. yeah. Yeah, you talked a lot about the anticipation you had to become an RA. I just wanted to ask you, like, how do you think you grew from being one? Yeah, there's a lot. Um, being an RA is so stretching. There's a lot of um, shape. Like, you are shaped so differently by the people you meet on your floor and get invested in. Um I would say I specifically grew with like loyalty, the un, the unexpected loyalty from my residents to me and the um, effort that I put into them. It's been really rewarding. But yeah, I would say it helps you grow a lot as a person and as a student, even at Bethel. So, other three options besides Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had, um, um, I had Getch as my first haul. And that was where I lived freshman year. And then Arden Village, which is where I was currently living when I applied. Right. Both of those places were familiar to me. And, you know, it's like, I want to go where I know. So. Right, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I Then my third option was anywhere on the hill. So in a way, it was like I was excluding Nelson. Yeah. That's where they, <laughs> that's where they yes. put me. Funny how it turns out. Yes, but crazy. again, you just do not know right. until you know. Exactly. What have we learned today? I, I oh, okay, go yeah, ahead. perfect. I've just learned that um, life just throws you curveballs and you just have to roll with it. You don't know what is going to happen and uh, we can plan as much as we want. And I think like humans are such planners, obviously, right, yeah. but nothing goes to plan. Mm-hmm. I Just building off that, I'd just say take it one day at a time. Nobody has a grand plan of everything that's going to happen in their life and uh just take it one step at a time because you never know when one moment can redirect your plans and throw you off course. Mm, let's yeah. go. That's awesome. Yeah, that is. I was just going to say how really you can have multiple defining moments. Every little twist and turn in your life can be so important to you that it does define a new life, that it does create a different scenario. So. Okay. We want to thank some people for helping us out on this Modern Story podcast at Bethel University in St. Paul, Minnesota. Yeah, thanks to Professor Chris Schaffner and his teaching assistants for maintaining the podcast studio and giving us access to it. And we wanted to thank the writers, such as Hannah Rosen and Aaron Baker, who inspired our stories. Um, Yeah, look for uh, the next episode of Modern Story Podcast, which is about going against the grain. And lastly, go tell your grandma, your teachers, and even your plumber about your modern story. 
and your neighbor and your hairstylist and maybe all of your professors. Bye.